It's time for episode 243 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, May 30th, 2018. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the podcast where sometimes you make up the intro on the spot because you forgot to put one in. I am your co-host, Micah Sargent, and I am joined across the internet by my dear pal, Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. Hi, Micah. I make up most of this show as I go along, as it turns out. It's a little, <laughs> little peek behind the curtain there. It's weird how that works. Yes, we we do try to uh, make things up as we go along and keep things moving. So you know how this works. We've got four people. We've got four topics. And I am happy to introduce the person to my left. It's Senior Cloud Developer Advocate at Microsoft, Christina Warren. What up, Christina? Hey, Micah. So happy to have you back on the show. I'm so happy to be back. And uh, no, and I love this because I can do this to my office in the morning and I don't have to like worry about we are late because of me. I'm sorry. But uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to uh, glad to be here. Glad to be back. Glad to talk to all of you. Excellent. To my left, our second guest, the editor-at-large at iMore and the host of many fine podcasts. Renee Ritchie is back. Welcome back, Renee. I am. I totally planned all of this. I wrote out copious notes. I have a script even for the introduction I'm reading right now, and I'm I'm ready to proceed. Thank you. Wow, the the hostage statement portion is going well. <laughs> uh, well, we we appreciate that professionalism, Renee, and we appreciate you making me look bad. Uh, let's kick things off here with my topic. I am curious. So when you go and you take and then share a photo, whether you're using your iPhone or your DSLR, your clay tablet and chisel, whatever devices you use to take photos, what is the process that takes them from those raw photos to actually sharing them? Do you use third-party apps? Are you using the filters that are built into things like Instagram? Do you just leave them as they are? Do you pop them into light? I mean, basically, I'm just curious what your sort of setup is for taking a photo and making it shareable. Christina, we'll start with you. So I'm, I've become immensely lazy. <laughs> I, I used to be a lot more involved with this. I used to use Lightroom and before that Aperture. And, you know, I remember I, I do remember the Aperture Lightroom Wars and, and would try to, you know, really get into honing every aspect of my photo. Now I kind of let the camera do its thing. Um, I'm mostly taking photos on my iPhone. If I'm taking a photo um, on my uh, uh, my um, Sony RX100 Mark IV, then maybe, you know, I might pull in the raw and do a couple of things with it. But by and large, I'm using the default iPhone camera, although there are some good third-party apps. Obscura 2 just came out. And there's some other uh, really nice uh, photo apps like Halid. Uh, but yeah, I usually just use the iPhone camera app. And then editing, it kind of depends. Sometimes I use some of the editing tools built into iOS because they are decent. Um, but because most of the time I'm posting them on Instagram, I, I I mean, the Instagram filters, especially when you manipulate them, aren't terrible. So I might crop something and and highlight or low light something and then just post it. But but at this point, it's it's interesting because I used to be a lot more involved. And now I'm just kind of like, nah, just put it on. The, the scary thing, though, is at this point for me, there are so many photos that I take that are ephemeral that are just part of my Instagram stories or, you know, before that Snapchat that aren't even really getting captured in a high end way. So yeah, that's that's my process. 
Yeah, uh, hashtag no filter. Um, <laughs> that's actually, <laughs> that's my talking. No filter on me. Um, you know, I'm pretty similar, I think, to Christine, except for the exception of I, I didn't really ever do that, which is to say I, I occasionally add a filter, you know, sometimes if I'm posting to Instagram using the built-in filters. I'll certainly crop things to, like, you know, re- refocus the, the, you know, attention on a certain area or whatever. But I, I don't spend a lot of time editing photos. I don't post a ton of photos either. I post on Instagram every once in a while and sometimes I post on Twitter. Um, but if I'm posting on Twitter, it's usually coming direct out of the iOS camera app and going basically right into TweetBot or something. So I can't say that I spend a lot of time. Every once in a while, I'll tweak stuff if I'm like sharing photos i know this is going to sound crazy but like if you print photos out and actually have physical (gasps) objects i know i know sounds weird uh but yeah every once in a while i'll do some tweaking of some photos to try and optimize for that but i don't spend a lot of time and some of it is that i just i'm lazy (laughs) and some of it is that i just (laughs) don't know enough to make things look better so i'm not going to spend all the time trying to tweak different things because inevitably it will end up looking worse than when it started (laughs) Yeah, I, I was totally going to use the hashtag no filter line, um, <laughs> but I, he had it written down in his notes. I, I agree with Dan and with Christina. It's, in the very beginning, you, you you're given a tool and you use every tool. It's like you, the first time you use PowerPoint, you use every single font and effect that's possible in the app, and then <laughs> years later, there's like one font and you're fine with it. And I went through the whole, uh, you know, every every filter possible in Instagram and cropping and editing. And now I often do no filter, but I do like to tweak it a little bit, like Dan said, crop it down so that it's, it's the layout is interesting. Um, and I'll like, you know, play with the, the brightness or the contrast, uh, put it in like the crush them blacks and boost them sats. <laughs> uh, but mostly it's just a factor of time. And I, I really like the way that we've moved into this more Snapchat stories, Instagram stories world where you're, you're sharing moments that are maybe more raw and less manufactured. And then when I look at other people's wonderful lives, I don't feel quite so bad about mine, Micah. Amen. Uh, I'm right there with everybody. I, I think it is a bit of laziness, but it's also just sort of, we've gotten maybe to a place where we can just be comfortable with the more realistic aspects of, of what we're sharing. And I do think that that has a lot to do with, with Instagram stories, with Snapchat stories and every other company that has Dropbox stories and I don't know, Chick-fil-A stories. (laughs) Um, I personally will, anytime I'm sharing my own photos, I love Instagram's tools. That's usually where I share photos if I do. And so I'll apply some filters and go in and and do some cropping and stuff like that. Um, But when it comes to photos that I do for like iMore's site, um, typically what I do is pull those from my DSLR, pop them into photos, hit that auto enhance button, and then Mm. go in and crop and then undo pretty much all of the enhancements that have been made and make them uh, my own. So I do take a little bit of time there in in Apple's Photos app, but I just use the standard tools that it has available because it's gotten a lot better. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the next topic, which comes from Christina. So Snapchat is reportedly, and this is according to TechCrunch, uh, preparing to launch its first developer platform. Uh, I know it, it's, it seems like maybe they should have done this before they went public, but uh, uh, that I digress. Um, <laughs> and this will uh, 
reportedly include a Facebook-esque login, so login with with Snapchat, and also the ability to use Snap's camera um, and and also some of its its AR you know lenses. Um, Given that that you know the, the recent Facebook data scandals that are largely tied to its login, and and also the various I'm going to call them betrayals that the, the Twitter's uh, API changes have uh, made to third-party developers, should developers bother embracing a Snapchat developer platform, um, and should users trust this if if their apps uh, that they use do integrate with Snapchat? You know. Uh... I, you make a great point there. I think there is always some worry now for developers who are looking to hitch their wagon to a very specific service, right? Because if that service decides it wants to change the rules or it gets caught with its pants down, you know, having privacy violations or what have you, that's a lot of trouble. It's a lot of work to re-architect your own app uh, and and basically find a way around that, supplant it with something else. So, you know, I think this is why, you know, Apple in its in its long history has moved gravitated more and more towards building more and more stuff in-house because it doesn't want to be dependent on any single provider of pretty much anything and that's a lot harder for a small developer obviously because you're building it all up from scratch so having something like snapchat or facebook or twitter to build your platform on top of can remove a lot of work for you but it also puts you at risk uh from a user perspective I can see why you know you might opt into this as a user, or why you would um, why you might trust this, especially if you have a lot of loyalty to Snapchat. I'm not convinced that Snapchat has engendered a lot of loyalty, at least among a market that is really going to be cognizant of this kind of thing. Um, I still think it's it's very heavily impacted by like the teen and younger markets, and it seems to be potentially having some problems. Which, as to your point, it's kind of a question why they didn't do this years ago at this point. So. Yeah, I, I think this might be a, a sort of a flail that's a little too little too late from them. Yeah, I mean, I always think these are just another, yet another way of harvesting user data. Uh, you know, some people don't like passwords and they prefer having just one login, but that leaves you susceptible to one betrayal or one you know lack of lack of planning or, or terrible system. And I would I, I would just rather those things didn't exist. I mean, I would rather. We, I mean, you know, we've solved security, but I would just rather that Facebook and Twitter and, and Google and everyone would, would be out of that sort of login business. In general, it's building these, it reminds me of building your business under the steps of a drunken giant, and you just never know when they're <laughs> going to put their foot down and crush you. And we've seen this happen over and over again. Facebook, for a while, was just looking how anybody made any sort of money at all on their platform. Oh, payments, we're going to take over that. Oh, gaming, we're going to take over that. And they would just sort of push you into a below sustenance level for anything creative you came up with on the platform. And sure, there's still developers there, but I don't think any developers are happy there. There's still developers on Twitter. I don't think anyone other than people who are doing social analytics based on Twitter are particularly happy there. I don't think a lot of Google developers are are particularly happy when it comes to how the technology... We saw a bunch of them quit uh, because their technology was being used in drones. Uh, it just it, it seems like there's just so many problems with this, and it's that classic example of doing a technology because you can, not because you necessarily should. Uh, and I would just I I think there's enormous benefit to be gained. You can do some fantastic things with all these free tools that all these platforms give you, but none of these tools are really free. And to Dan's point, they can be taken away from you because you don't own them, uh, or they can be used in a way that's appalling to you because you have no control over them. And it's always I think behooves you to think twice, thrice. Twice? Is that a word? Uh, before you get in bed with them, because you may not like what you wake up next to. 
Ooh, Renee, you hit the nail on the head with everything um, in terms of, of my feeling about the login stuff and the way that the I anytime there's an option to log in using Facebook or log in using ugh, I always will look for the very, 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 very tiny text that's buried <laughs> underneath like a blinking GIF that says, hey, here's where you can log in using an email address. I'll do whatever I can to make that happen. Uh, sometimes you have to like go to a website instead of use the app, what, whatever it takes. Um, now, that said, there is one thing that sort of worries me and is also interesting about this dev kit. The thing that worries me about it is uh, they have the, the, one of the things that was mentioned was integration with Bitmoji. Uh, so if an app could integrate with Bitmoji and do this really cool um use sort of the tools that Snapchat has. Now, the reason that worries me is because right now Bitmoji is a pretty open platform. Uh, you can use the app as a keyboard or also an iMessage app to be able to share those Bitmojis with people. And I use it all the time. I think it's fantastic. I know Renee likes it. And like I, I talk to my family and friends using Bitmoji. Um, what I worry about is that they will want people to integrate with their integration and therefore the Bitmoji app and maybe the, the keyboard and things like that could disappear. That makes me sad. The cool thing, though, is that Snapchat has this really awesome feature where when you're talking to someone else, it will actually generate Bitmojis of both of your characters. And so it shows them sort of interacting. And that's a lot of fun. And if we could see that in other apps, I think that would be interesting, but not for the the exchange that takes place with Snapchat having more access to my usage information and things like that. So any last thoughts on that, Christina? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm basically going to kind of echo uh, what everyone else said, especially I think I think Dan um, and, and Renee and, and you too, um, uh, Micah, all kind of nailed it. I would also say I feel like this is a little bit too little too late, especially from a dev standpoint. I feel like that the time to take advantage or I guess to risk having your business eroded um, by snaps decisions to to use their login and use kind of their their social graph um, was before the redesign and 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 before some of their stumbles when before Instagram stories really kind of took over now I'm not really sure what you can gain from it especially as uh, Dan was saying the audience itself is fickle and and I think from a user perspective I don't necessarily know what value I would see in something integrating with this I mean it could be cool in theory I guess to be able to use the lenses and maybe some other apps um, but I don't know if that would be worth either trusting my data um, to that app via Snapchat or, or, or what. So yeah, I mean, I guess it's interesting they're finally doing it, but um, we'll just have to see if anybody actually embraces it. All right. Well, we have reached halftime. So far, so good. I want to tell you all about our friends at Linode. With Linode, you'll have access to a suite of powerful hosting options with prices starting at just five bucks a month. And you'll be up and running with your own virtual server right in the Linode cloud in under a minute. Now, whether you're just getting started with your first server, you know, baby's first server, or deploying a complex system, Linode is the right choice for you. Linode offers the fastest hardware and network with fantastic customer support behind it all. It's never been easier to launch a Linode cloud server. Linode guarantees 99.9% .9 uptime for server availability. So once your server is up, 
they're going to keep it that way. And Linode offers additional storage too. Block storage is now out of beta and is available in Fremont and Newark. And Linode plans to expand its block storage to all data centers by June, which is fast approaching. Linode is great for tasks like hosting large databases, running a mail server, running Docker containers, and so much more. Oh, and guess what? Linode is hiring right now. So if that interests you, you can go to linode.com slash careers. Linode has fantastic pricing options available. Plans started a gig of RAM for just five bucks a month. And they've also got high memory plans that start with 16 gigs of RAM. As a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com slash clockwise, you'll not only be supporting us, but you're also going to get $20 towards any Linode plan. So go to linode.com slash clockwise to learn more, sign up and take advantage of that $20 credit or use the promo code clockwise2018 at checkout. Thanks so much to Linode for supporting this show. And now it's time for Dan's topic. All right, so we're fast approaching Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference, and much of the speculation around it has been about what the updates and improvements to iOS might be. But let's take a little bit different tack. I'm going to ask you, what change would you like to see in the next major version of macOS? Renee, kick us off here. I mean, so many things, Dan. Uh, it, 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 <laughs> pick a couple. I'm gonna, I'll pick a couple. <laughs> well, one, I mean, I still think Split View is, you know, they sort of released it for the Mac, but it, it was never fully formed. It was way behind the iOS version when it launched, and it hasn't gotten any of the improvements since. You can make a split view, but then you can't change any of the apps in it, and you have to destroy it like some sort of monster and reform it if you want to do anything else with it. And it's so useful, especially on the smaller screens like the 12-inch MacBook, that I wish they would put some effort into making it a good uh, user experience. Uh, And then basic things like drag and drop on in photos. And I understand why it's it's broken. Uh, you know, mutual friend Guy English pain, painstakingly explained to me why it's a promise now because a photo may or may not be on your computer. It might be an iCloud, and you can't drag a photo. I, I know all that, but I feel like Apple should fix that. It's, drag and drop is so fundamental to the Mac's experience that I, I shouldn't be waiting three years to be able to take a photo from Photos and just drop it in any damn application I want to. Uh, so it's all those sorts. Like they've done so much rebuilding. They've they've made a whole new windowing server. They've, you know, they've, we've got Apple File System now. We've got Swift now. It's like they're modularly taking apart the operating system and swapping in new and better parts. But they're not all finished, and it just it feels like I, they they should really. I don't want to say Snow Leopard because I think that's totally out of context. But I just want to see them return, like like the iWork thing when they took the engine from iOS, put it in iWork, and nothing worked. But eventually we got to a point where everything started working again, and it was way better. So I just want them to get to the point where everything is working again, and it's way better. And then, yeah, they can throw whatever marzipan they want on the surface. Uh, my main thing, and I was really worried that Renee was going to to take it as the, the main uh, one, was I just need Siri to offer home automation control. That's yes. all I need. From, that's all I need. All I need is to be able to talk to Siri on the Mac and have it control my lights. And bonus points if I can get a home app on the Mac, but I don't mm. think that's going to happen. So just let Siri be as good as it is elsewhere. Well, as as functional mm. as it is elsewhere, please. Uh, I, I don't need anything else, and I won't ask for anything more because I feel like if I just ask for very little, then I'll get what I want. <laughs> Christina, what about you? Gosh, I mean, I, I, I agree with what Renee was saying, especially about some of the split view stuff, because um, I, ha- I have to say, it, guys, and this is not me being a shill, but, you know, Windows actually now does kind of the, the window management stuff, especially with kind of easily kind of splitting 
um, you know, apps into two frames much better. And, and obviously you can use third party apps, but making drag and drop work better and, and having split view work like it does in iOS, I would like a lot. I would also, and this isn't maybe, it doesn't have to be OS specific, but this would be a great time to do it. Can we just get a web version of iTunes for Apple Music? Like, can we just do that? Can we just, I mean, I'm not, I, I, I realize that rewriting iTunes is probably never going to happen and it's probably going to be with us in some capacity for the rest of our lives. Uh, but can I just get like a web version for Apple Music or to, to watch videos? Because that that would do a lot for me. Um, oh, I would also really like a, a 4K uh, Netflix support. That would be great. Ooh. Those are all uh, some good options. I, I like, Renee, particularly your point about a lot of the little smaller things that I feel like need to be tweaked. Uh, my own personal pet peeve is uh, on in the calendar app that I'll often have uh, multiple calendars that have the same event on them, and and calendar can just not figure out that oh maybe I should just collapse <laughs> those into one single event. Fantastic Cal does it does it easily. Come on, calendar. Um, lots of little tweaks like that that I feel like um, stuff has been. Apple has not pushed the envelope as much as I would like in some of the things that it felt like were solved problems, like calendaring and email uh, to a certain degree messaging. I mean, these are places where I feel like there's room to make features that really help out people uh, be more productive with their time, with their data, all of that. And I I just feel like there hasn't been a lot of attention given to them in the last few years. Uh, And some of that is, you know, because iOS is more exciting and it's a lot of places where like it gets a lot of the attention. It's like the younger, the younger sibling always clamoring for the extra attention. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there are a lot of small tweaks that can be made. Uh, Micah's point about Siri and home automation is well taken. Um, Siri overall, I just think, you know, parity along all these platforms would be an important thing, especially on the Mac. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd like to see some little tweaks um, there. I'd like maybe maybe iTunes could just die. How about that? Could they just kill it? <laughs> maybe it could die. Just throwing that out there. I mean, that would yeah, be great. I, think, be I don't great. think there'd be a lot of people if, uh, who would be really sad if Tim Cook came out with a coffin with iTunes, a la Steve Jobs <laughs> and Mac OS 9. So I think you'll need like a god killer sword for that. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think any of us are are powerful enough to kill iTunes on our own. Uh, All right. Thanks for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our last topic of the day, which comes from Renee. So I I pinged Micah this morning and I said, I need to get you a topic. Where do I put it? And he's like, I sent you an email last night and I'm pretty sure I have Micah on VIP so that I'd be alerted. I get notifications for a VIP email. Um, But I just realized I'm getting this problem more and more lately because I think I've stopped using email. Like, I still have it. Mail.app is still there. It's still open. Things still come into it. Uh, so many things that I don't want to go into it. But with the advent of Slack and with messaging getting much better and so many major messaging services and Twitter uh, and all the rest, it, it just feels like uh, email, for me at least, is an old paradigm that is not as real-time, not as... Uh, and this sounds the worst. I'm, don't tell George I said this, but it doesn't feed the instant gratification the way that messaging does. And I, th- I think I've abandoned it. And I was wondering if you guys are still using email um, like it was, I don't know, Pine, or have you moved <laughs> on to more, to more uh, real-time services? I begrudgingly use email. I use it as little as possible. Renee, I'm, I'm with you. And in fact, we talked about that before the show over iMessage. Um, I prefer to communicate with folks using Slack mostly. And if it's people that I know personally that are not also available in Slack, then it's iMessage. And there are many reasons for that. But most of it is because of the other integrations and things that I can do with those messages that I can't necessarily do with email. Uh, firstly, 
I sort of feel weird about using emoji in emails, um, and I have no qualms about using it elsewhere. Uh, Bitmoji, I told you I'm a big fan of. I can use that uh, everywhere. The plugins that Slack has for sort of like taking something and making it into tasks or any sort of integrations with third-party services and calendars and things like that, uh, deliveries, etc., I like all of the the integrations and interactivity that comes from using not email. And my one thing that I do a lot is instead of using something like Pocket or Read It Later or any of those services, I usually just iMessage myself um, with links, with photos, with photos of of documents that I need to remember, with little tasks and things like so that. Clunky, I just have though. an it is, but I do it and it works for me. And I have that iMessage conversation set up with, with all of those and I can scroll back. So yeah, I would not use email if I didn't have to for the very few things I do use it for. And I'm glad that you were appreciative of receiving that link in iMessage uh, and we could work from there. What about you, Christina? Yeah, no, I use email. Um, I don't necessarily love it. Um, but yeah, no, I, and when it comes to personal mail, that's different. But for work, no, it's a big part of my workflow. Obviously, uh, I use Slack to communicate uh, with, with colleagues. Um, but, you know, I work with people in a lot of different time zones. I was just on a call with people in London. Um, sometimes I'm um, on calls with people in Australia or or in Asia. And that means that the real-time communication stuff doesn't always work because I'm on the West Coast and... There could be a, you know, more than 24 hour time difference. So or, or, you know, close to anyway. So sometimes that just isn't going to going to be a thing that that works. Um, I, uh, I do um, find myself when I can and when I have a good enough relationship with someone wanting to use, you know, I am whether it's Skype or iMessage or whatever more. Uh, but yeah, no, unfortunately, it's, it's it's part of my life. And it was part of my life before uh, I, I switched careers and came to corporate America. Uh, as a journalist, pe- that's one way that people would send things to you. Um, but I, I will say from a personal standpoint, you know, I check my email once or twice a day, but it's not like I'm active in it, you know, but if people want to ping me uh, through, uh, you know, my my personal mail, that's fine. I'll, I'll get to it when I get to it. Um, weirdly, I do actually really get a lot of value out of newsletters, and at least so far, there's not really a way to integrate your newsletter delivery into something like Slack or even RSS. So I'm feeling old, but email is kind of still ingrained in me. I, I, I agree that I don't get as much value out of it as I used to. Um, I do correspond with a, a decent number of people who aren't on Slack or who I either don't have iMessage contacts for, or it's like... I always feel like there's too much immediacy to iMessage. Like there's too much pressure for people to respond when I message you right now. Yes. And it's also harder. Like I feel like stuff gets lost like throughout the day. It's like I message somebody and somebody be like, oh, I just saw that. You know, it's like an email. At least it sits in the box. You can like triage it in some way. Well, you can't search for right. it. Right. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's any number of problems that I feel like they're slightly different contexts. Um, I do wish that, uh, and this is sort of linking into my last topic, I do wish mail on uh, iOS and OS, uh, on um, Mac OS would have a better filtering of like stuff that's personal mail versus stuff that's bulk mail like, like Gmail and some other clients do. Um, because I feel like, especially last week when we were all getting our deluge of GDPR emails, we'd be like, yes, that could have <laughs> all gone somewhere else. That would have been fine. I don't need to see that right now. Um, but yeah, I, I still do use email. There's something about sending an email off and being like, all right, that's done. 
I don't have to immediately wait for somebody to respond and then respond to that, et cetera, et cetera. But I do use Slack. I use iMessage. I use Twitter DMs even for some people. It really seems to me to be very contextual and also weirdly enough just based on the people uh i talk to i mean my my mother and i correspond a lot via email but since she's she's started texting in the last couple of years so now i get more texts um so the email volume has decreased slightly but i have a lot of family members that still have not gotten on the text train so that's fine that's fine you go to different places um so there's a lot of different tools for different purposes but i do think email is probably waning my family has switched entirely to emoji and bitmoji <laughs> mine too <laughs> <laughs> My grandma loves Bitmoji, and Terrifying. it's the most Terrifying. wonderful thing. Yeah, yeah it's scary and wonderful. Uh, any last thoughts, or are we... No, I just don't want Dan to flood me with email today. <laughs> <laughs> no emails, Dan. All right, well, that marks the end of our show. We have just enough time for a bonus topic, which this week is sponsored by puppies. Aw, <laughs> oh, go pet a dog Aww. today. We love dogs. Um, this question is kind of an obvious one wwdc next week are you going to be there christina i don't know it's tbd it's possible that i will be there um i'm not going to be at wwdc proper but i might be able to make one of like the alt comps or at least be in san jose to see people i'm not sure uh i will i I hopefully will know more um at noon today to figure that out but it's it's maybe like 30 70 i'm not sure so if i'm there it'll be briefly but i hope i can see all of you at least yeah, I uh, I will be WWDC adjacent, let's say. Uh, I will be in San Jose, so I'll be around. I'll be at some of the events. Um, but yeah, looking forward to catching up with people. I will I will absolutely be there uh, being incredibly stressed and anxious until <laughs> the keynote is over and we've had time to digest it. And then a few days later, I can actually watch it and remember what happened. Uh, I will be there in spirit, not in person. Um, so you can you can stay posted to iMore where we're all well. Well, by all I mean, Renee and I are going to be posting lots of stuff about the uh, the conference. So uh, yeah, we're both we're both a little anxious this week as we as we gear up for the. Well, the it's event. like you get so excited for your presents, like you can't wait for Christmas yeah. morning, and then you just tear them open, and they're all lying there in front of you. It's like, that, just, that's the kind you're of just feeling. Breathing I heavily, your eyes wide, yes. glassy with shock. <laughs> can't, yeah. can't wait. Running high on eggnog, too much eggnog. <laughs> all right, um, that that marks the end of our show. All that's left is to thank our guests for joining us, Christina. Thanks so much for coming back. Happy to have you here again. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. And Renee Ritchie, thank you so much for being here. It is always my pleasure. And Micah, even though you won't be there physically next week, you know I'll, I'll miss you. I'll miss you. Oh, I'll miss you too. And I'm looking forward to seeing how the special WWDC episode of Clockwise turns out. Well, for everybody out there who will be waiting to see that, we'll have to wait until next week. But until then, remember, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.